whoosh, just like that, like a rocket. Zoom, that's how he went. Better than any fireworks I've ever seen. Whee! And we were watching to see where he was going when a cloud came across. And well, that was it. Gone. Ascended. I didn't want him to go. He'd already left us once and that was awful. We just didn't know what to do with ourselves. We moped around, fearful for our lives, fearful for our sanity. I mean, he was our hope. We'd left everything for him. And he had promised that he would never leave us or forsake us. So when he died, what did that mean? Wasn't he who we thought he was? Was he a fake? Or a fool? Or even a fiend? So many questions and doubts. We needed him. He was showing us the way. The way to be human. To live without the legalism of the Pharisees or the rule or the Romans, but it was just those things, the rules and the rule, which caused his death. I just didn't understand. Then he came back. He came back. Who has ever come back from the dead? Well, except Lazarus and and that little girl. And, um, well, perhaps I should have trusted him a bit more. Anyway, he rose again, just like he said he would. And he gave us convincing proofs he was alive, showing us his wounds and eating fish and everything. I mean, ghosts don't eat fish, do they? And he spoke to us about the kingdom of God, and it all started to make sense. All that stuff we'd heard before, but hadn't really grasped until, well... Until he died, I guess. One time, when we were eating, he said, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptised with water, but in a few days you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. I got all excited and said, Lord, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He looked at me in his way, which means, you haven't quite got it yet, have you? I'm getting used to that look. He said, it's not for you to know the times and dates the Father has set for his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Whoosh! Zoom! Gone, ascended, before I'd even had chance to ask him what he was going on about. And we're all standing there looking up into the sky like a load of ninnies when we hear a voice. Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? Fair question, I guess. They must not have seen the whoosh. But now I think about it, they did look pretty amazing themselves all white and shiny, like people from heaven. They said, this same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. 
I looked at my watch and was about to ask if they could give an estimated time of return, but they'd already gone. So here we are, back in Jerusalem. We're praying and waiting, waiting and praying. And I can't say I'm not excited about the coming of the Holy Spirit, whatever that might be. But to be honest, I'd rather Jesus came back himself. I need him. No one knows me like he does. No one shows me God like he does. But I guess even more that the world needs him. Israel needs to be restored. God's kingdom needs to come to this world. And Jesus is the only one to do it. I really believe that. But I'm worried that not one Jesus would be enough. It's like we need God to send maybe a hundred or a thousand little Jesuses going around and spreading his kingdom. Little Christs empowered to do his work. We can't do it. We're useless. Come on, God, we need your help. The second reading is Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 to 16. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to feel sympathy for our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I'm going to pray for John as he he speaks to us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for John. We thank you for his gifts. We thank you for the way you've called him um, as as a reader to teach and to lead and to share the faith. Pray your blessing on him now as he speaks to us and that you would speak to us by your spirit through his words now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, I had a birthday last week, and uh, some of you sent me cards and good wishes. Most of you didn't know, fortunately, that it was my birthday. I don't look a day older than I was this this time on Sunday last week, but hey. And I got a special electronic gadget that I'd asked for, and uh, I got it out of its nice new packet and plugged it in, and guess what? It's not working right. It really... What a disappointment... I've emailed the manufacturer, they've emailed me back, but I think it's just going to be more hassle than I really wanted. What a disappointment. I guess guess you've had things like that happen. You've got something from the shop, you've got it home, you've done whatever you're supposed to do, plugged it in or blown it up or whatever, and it hasn't worked. What a disappointment. Sometimes life just doesn't work out the way it's meant to. A bit more seriously, maybe some of you have had occasions when you've been disappointed with an official, a government person or, or whatever, or someone in a high place who should have done something and they didn't. They let you down and you felt you needed to write a strong letter to somebody to complain about it. You were angry and you wanted to let someone know that what they'd done wasn't good enough. 
far more important than that for the really big stuff in life. Have you ever got angry with God? Because there are times in our lives when we think, God, why are you letting such things happen in our world? Wars, horrible shootings in a school. And on a personal level, why do you let that happen to me, God, when you could have done something about it and stopped it happening in the first place? Sometimes life isn't the way it should be. So, have you ever felt angry, disappointed with God? If you've ever felt like this, you're not, you're not on your own. In fact, if you've ever opened your Bible to the book of Psalms, as Ben was saying a couple of weeks ago, there are some Psalms where it really seems as if the psalmist, the writer, is having a real go at God. Look at this one. Get up, God. Are you going to sleep all day? This is in the Bible. Yeah? Wake up. Don't you care what happens to us? Get up and come to our rescue. If you love us so much, help us. Wow. That's strong stuff. The Bible does not pull its punches. I bet we've never heard a prayer like that prayed in church before. I haven't prayed one like that in church. I've felt like saying that to God, and I think I probably have said it to God on occasions. What are you playing at? And leading on from that, have you ever got to saying, it's all right for you, God? I do believe in you, God, but it's all right for you. You're up there in heaven. You're an all-powerful God. You don't know what it's like for me. How can God know what it's like for me? Well, let's think about it. In the more than 30 years that Jesus, and that is God in human flesh, was living here, he had to learn things just like we do. He had to learn to walk. God Almighty learning to walk. Can you imagine it? He had to learn to write and read as he was at school. He knew what it was like to be a teenager. Most of us here have forgotten that. Some are still doing it and enjoying every minute of it. And then into adulthood, sharing life with his friends, close friends, his followers, his disciples, as they were called, who followed him around everywhere. Now, if you ask those disciples if Jesus lived a full and real life here, if he knew what it was like for me nowadays, living life now, I think that answer, yes, he did live a full and real life. And he does know what you're going through today. They tell you how he enjoyed meals with friends, but also went hungry. How he laughed and also cried. How he had close relationships and friendships, but also knew what it was like to be let down and misunderstood. How he'd known the intense sadness of someone close to him dying. Although Jesus was God himself, that didn't make life easy for him. And at the end of his life, he was taken and crucified a brutal, cruel, and barbaric death. We know the rest of the story, don't we? Jesus was raised to life. His work on earth finished. He'd made it possible for us to come back into relationship with God, and he went back into heaven. The church, the posh churches, not, not this one, call it his ascension. And uh, that's what we're remembering today, when Jesus went back 
into heaven. So, having lived a full life, when Jesus went back into heaven, he took with him all that life experience, all that good and enjoyable stuff that we enjoy, spending time with friends, but he also took with him all that knowing what it's like to suffer, all that knowing what it's like to feel totally deserted and alone. So that's our first main point. God in Jesus does know what it's like to be me. So when I get to feeling that God doesn't understand it's all right for you, God up there, or powerful, sitting on your ivory throne, or however we imagine God, I can know that he does know what it's like. Jesus, the Son of God, now in heaven, has been through it all and more, knows all about my joys and successes, my sorrows and troubles. As we read in our second, that was a marvellous dramatisation, wherever she is, and a beautiful second reading, thank you. And as we read in our second Bible passage, we don't have a high priest in heaven who is unable to sympathise, empathise, whatever word you want to use with our weaknesses, but we have one in heaven who has been tempted or tested, as the word also goes, in every way, just as we are. There's now a man in heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, who understands what it's like to live a life here. And even in heaven, Jesus bears those marks of crucifixion, a constant reminder of the sin and struggle and suffering that go on in our world. And what's more, he doesn't just know about it, but Jesus wants to walk with me and you in all my joys, in all my messiness, in all my, with all my questions, day by day. And as the writer of our second Bible reading urged us to, to come with, to God with confidence, Jesus knows all about our struggles as the old song went when I was a lad. He's neither distant nor uncaring, but wants to restore that relationship with him that was always meant to be. We can be confident that we won't be turned away. Jesus said, whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. John chapter 6, verse 37. And at the end of our Bible passage, it says, if we come to God, we'll find mercy and grace. That's an interesting word, isn't it? Grace. God's riches at Christ's expense is a Acronym, acrostic, whatever, for that. Jesus has done so much to bring us to a position with him where, we, where he always wanted us to be. When we feel it's too hard, his loving presence and help will be with us. I found that to be true. I'm sure many of you here have as well. At times we are tested, it feels to the limit, and yes, at times it feels like tested past the limit but God is there with his grace and mercy to help us in those times of trouble the writer of that well-known psalm what's the best known psalm in the bible number oh (laughs) yes 23 sorry where the psalmist said to God even though I walk through the darkest valley you are with me God's word also says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. 
And that's true. I'll be honest, it hasn't always felt like that. I've sometimes thought, where are you, God? What are you playing at, God? But looking back, I know that God has been with me. God will always be with me because he's promised that. Some things God will change and others he'll be with us in for as long as they last. The Bible does not promise that all our problems will disappear as one song that we used to sing in church. Not that, yeah, maybe this church as well went a few years ago. No, not all our problems disappear, but God is with us in them. A loving parent may not take away a child's pain, but will hold that child close to them and be with them. Hey, it's not all gloom and doom. It's great to be able to share life with Jesus. It's a precious privilege. To, to, if you're out there and, or looking from your back bedroom window, see a beautiful sunset like it was last night, and to think, you know, I know the one who made that, and he loves me. He didn't just make that sunset. He made me, and he loves me as well and wants to walk with me. I know I'm loved by him. Yeah, there are times when I wish Jesus hadn't gone back into heaven. There are times when I wish he was not here, because I wouldn't want to talk to him in front of you lot, but just just one-to-one and say, hey, Jesus, you know, or thank you, Jesus, whatever. Of course there are times when I wish he hadn't gone back into heaven and was right here and I could talk to him face-to-face. But let's be honest, it wouldn't work, would it? Because... Probably most of you would want to talk to him as well. Many millions of people across the world would want to talk to him as well. And you know what? Knowing my luck, I'd never get to the front of the queue, would I? So yes, it is far better that Jesus has gone back into heaven, ascended into heaven. Jesus told his disciples that it was better for them that he did because he would send the Holy Spirit to come. We'll be hearing more about the Holy Spirit coming on his people next, next Sunday. I've looked ahead to the program, but I'm sure next Sunday, Ben, or somebody will be speaking about the Holy Spirit coming. I hope so as well. By his Holy Spirit living in us and with us, we can know God's presence with us every day. He's not limited to being in one place at a time, and he can be with us all, all of the time. And so our third and, yes, final point. It's a good question to ask at the end of any sermon. So what? So what? You've kept us entertained, perhaps, for ten minutes. But so what? Okay, the question is, so what am I going to do about all this? We sit in church Sunday after Sunday, or whatever. What are we going to do about what God's word says to us? God has his hands out, ready to welcome us, to be with us in our times of joy in our times of need. So let's respond to him. No, it's not just for people who aren't yet Christians. It's for Christians as well. You can't just sit there feeling smug. Let's respond to whatever God says to us in our lives and wants to do with us in our lives, whatever that means for us in our spiritual journey. Yes, for some of us, we have been walking with Jesus for quite a number of years now. It still means bringing him those frustrations. He understands those struggles. He understands and asking for his help, his mercy, but also sharing those joys with him, those beautiful times that we experience, thanking him for them 
as we go along. Being honest with him about how you feel, however you're feeling, know that, knowing that he has also been tested just as we are, and trusting that he's able to bring us through. For others, it might mean responding for the first time to Jesus' offer of mercy, forgiveness, and love, as Ben was saying, to turn our lives around from just going our own way to going God's way. Maybe, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know some of you here, I don't know most of you here, but lots of people I don't know. But whoever you are, maybe, maybe you were baptized as a baby. Other people made commitments on your behalf. Is it time now that you made those commitments to God for yourself? So what are we going to do? Isn't it time we turn to him? Maybe for some of us turned afresh to him. Put things right between us if grit has got in the way, whatever, sin, the Bible calls it. Finding his grace, forgiveness and mercy and walking with him for the rest of our lives and knowing that incomparable joy and assurance that only he can bring us. As I say at the end of some television programs, if you've been affected by any of the issues brought up in this talk... No, don't dial this number. Come and talk to one of us afterwards, someone who you know loves Jesus, follows Jesus, and wants to help you find Jesus for yourself. Thank you for listening.